This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. The world remains transfixed by the dramatic rescue situation in northern Thailand. Four more boys have now been rescued from the flooded Tam Long cave system in northern Thailand, leaving four boys and their soccer coach still inside. The new extraction run was sped up, according to the surf chief, after air tanks were replaced and guide ropes tightened along the long escape route. The boys wore full face masks and were guided by one diver in front and one behind each of them. So now Eight boys have been freed. All are being treated in hospital, but they can't even hug their relatives because of fears of infection. The 12 boys, who are members of a soccer team called the Wild Boars, went missing in the cave two weeks ago. A team of 90 expert divers from Thailand and around the world has been working in the cave system, while the larger group of people involved in the rescue Numbers at about a 1,000 people all over the world, myself included, have been incredibly moved by this. But I'm also wondering why a situation like this has so much more emotional pull than many other tragedies where there are many more victims, both young and old, who are in danger of losing their lives. So we are going to delve into the psychology of this. We're also going to delve into the nuts and bolts, the the uh, technical aspects of the rescue are fascinating and daunting. And of course, we want to hear from you. Have you been glued to this? Uh, does this, do you have an emotional response to this? The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll free 1-866-740-4740. And right now we are going to go to psychologist Dr. Sam Claridge and Christian Stenner, who is with the Cave Rescue Organization of Alberta and BC. Welcome to you both. Thank you. Uh, Christian, are you there? Christian? Yes. Hello. Yes. Hello. Okay. Uh, Christian, let's start with you. Uh, um, it seems that uh, the the rescues so far have gone without a hitch uh, since the tragic death of, of that uh, former Navy SEAL. Did that surprise you that it's working out so smoothly, it seems? Uh, no, not surprising. And that's because the people that they have uh, working as the rescue divers are amongst the best in the world. So uh, for them to, to be able to pull this off uh, so far uh, with such success uh, isn't surprising just because I know the caliber of the people that are, that are helping with the underwater aspects of this rescue. So, but it, it's not just a question of uh, them being good divers. There's a lot of engineering involved in this, isn't there? Yes, well, to come up with, uh, you know, the plan that they've enacted and the system um, and the process uh, that will 
you know, enable the best chance for success is, is quite a, a task as well. So it's really a involvement of everybody from the command all the way down to the rescue divers and all the support people involved. Uh, it's it's just tremendous. I'd like to bring Dr. Claridge in. Hi, Sam. How are you? Very good. Uh, a lot is uh, there's a lot of credit being given uh, to this soccer coach who seems to have been able to keep these very small boys unified. Uh, he's had the meditating. Uh, how important is that? It's very important because it minimizes. Uh, the risk of serious trauma. There's going to be trauma anyways, but for a coach to be able to settle down the kids, keep them focused, keep them relaxed, keep them meditated, keep them calm, I think is going to pay off not only in the short term, but the long term, because it minimizes any uh, any future health risks down the road. So obviously he's doing a good job and hopefully will continue to do so. How much of that might be uh, as a result of, you know, it's a very different culture and people respond very differently, do you think, because it's a Buddhist culture, uh, that that made a difference? That's That's a very good question. I mean, certainly the Buddhist culture, I think, is very big on meditation. And, um, I mean, if they are Buddhists, uh, certainly they would want to practice that because that helps to calm, um, I mean, to calm the kids down, to relax the kids to keep them focused, not to panic, and so on. So yes, I mean, if that's part of their culture, which it is, um, I mean, it can play a very important role. I think, I think Western society uh, has gained a lot of knowledge and information from the Buddhists in terms of, um, uh, say, learning how to relax and also learning how to meditate. So it's a very powerful process, and I think it'll pay off. Uh, the other thing that struck me when uh, we saw interviews with the parents you know, it occurred to me if this had been in North America with North American parents that basically they probably would have been hysterical and everybody seemed very uh, contained and controlled. Yeah, no, it does. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, who knows what goes on? I mean, when the media isn't present, uh, because some people really hesitate to be, uh, say, out of control when the, I mean, when the cameras are on. But, um, yeah, no, there is a sense of calm. Now, whether that would be, whether... Um, uh, say in our Western culture, whether parents would behave differently, uh, maybe they would, maybe some wouldn't, maybe some would would choose to um, to speak to a higher power and, and so on. But um, I think it all boils down to a perspective, and a perspective is such that people believe in the fact that there's a lot of professional people involved, that they know what they're doing, that the rescue is going to go well. Um, that would bring, say, uh, more a sense of calm to people rather than uh, rather than hysteria. Uh, Christian, I'd like to bring you in on that note. I mean, I, I think it it must be critical to have these children being calm. I mean, I just imagining myself, if, if uh, I had to put a big mask over my face and go through a tunnel like that, I'm not sure I'd be able to handle it. I'm sure there are a lot of adults who feel the same way, and these kids are, are weakened. So how important is their emotional situation to this? Well, it's super important, uh, given that, uh, you know, a person panicking due to some sort of equipment malfunction uh, or some other, um, you know, psychological uh, uh, problem with the confined space underwater uh, could result in death. Uh, you know, there's not, not really a lot of room for error when you're, when you're underwater or cave diving. Um, so that's, that's definitely uh, a huge consideration, but involving them in their rescue, training them to dive and, and, and having them part of the process, uh, I think probably helps keep them focused. We've seen that in, in rescues in caves uh, um, that we've done here in Canada as well. Oh, uh, tell me about that. 
Um, yeah, well, we haven't had anything like this. This is certainly unprecedented, but any time uh, where we've had a rescue and, and you can sort of involve a conscious person in their rescue um, to help maneuver through passages and so forth, it just kind of keeps helps them uh, to focus and keeps them uh, um, you know, part of the solution. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, it just seems that it would be so difficult. I mean, most of these boys didn't even know how to swim. Yeah, and that's uh, definitely another complicating factor, but they've uh, certainly put in a number of mitigations to help with that, like running a static line through the underwater sections of the cave uh, as a guideline. Uh, it's something that they can help pull on, and it reduces the need to be able to swim. Uh, and having the divers in front and back and so forth, they've really put everything they could uh, in place to help make this as uh, successful as, as possible. And Dr. Claridge, what about this idea of team spirit? I gather that, you know, there was a similar situation with those Chilean miners. Of course, they were adults. They were there for much longer. But how important is it that these boys are part of a team? Well, they can support one another. I think teamwork, I mean, under any circumstances, I mean, especially when it's a when it's a serious situation the way this one is, can be very important because they can support one another, calm one another, um, in fact, uh, I think the miners were even singing and joking and trying to uplift their spirit, their mood, and so on. So that team concept is very, very important. And um, if they can help one another, which they will, if they can calm one another, which they will, it'll make the whole process go a lot better and, uh, and, uh, and a lot more efficient. And uh, what uh, are the chances that some of them will suffer from PTSD? Or what are the chances that they wouldn't? Um, that's a very good question. Again, that depends on what's going on now and what's going on later. Um, after they're all out, it'll be interesting to, to, I mean, I mean, to find out how they still connect with one another, um, what the support systems are like. Some may experience um, uh, some PTSD. I don't think there's any question of that, but it all depends on, um, on the seriousness of the PTSD. Some people may not have it at all. It all depends on how they've processed what they've been through, the supports they've gotten, the help that they've gotten. Uh, but it'll be a mixed bag, likely. Some will be serious, some not so serious, and maybe some won't experience PTSD at all. Does it make a difference that they are very young, that they're children? Could it be that they'll forget about it sooner? Um, again, that's a good question. Uh, um, again, it all depends on how they process it. It's, it all depends on how they view it. Um, I mean, I mean, some people have stated that, yes, I mean, if you're younger and you're more resilient, which sometimes is the case, then it might not affect you, uh, say, as much or, uh, or, or as long a period of time. If you're less resilient, uh, then, it may, um, then it may stay with you much longer. But it'll be an interesting question, but it's all based on the way they perceive it, the way they process it, the support that they get, the help that they get along the way, I mean, especially once they're out of the, con- uh, once they're out of the cave. Uh, that'll determine um, the ultimate reaction that they, uh, that they get. Christian, you've participated uh, in cave rescues. What are people left with after that situation in your experience? Um, yeah, it's, it's hard to, to really answer. Uh, so I don't necessarily have, have the data from, from the things that sort of happened with people afterwards. Um, um, so, it, yeah, I, I couldn't really comment on it. And what about physical? Uh, I gather that they're very worried about all kinds of infections. They might have been exposed to bat feces and things like that. Uh, what physical uh, 
ramifications would either of you expect? Yeah, there's certainly some very specific sort of cave-related uh, infections and disease, uh, whether it's uh, uh, from, you know, bird or bat droppings or, or things like that in the cave, um, or from contaminated water um, that's kind of come from the surface and, and kind of seeped in. Um, there, there definitely are some concerns that way that, uh, that they're going to have to get checked for. Mm-hmm. What about the lack of light in the cave? Uh, I'm not sure what... Uh, what uh, ramifications that would have uh, um, for them sort of long-term. Um, yeah, but uh, I, I think since they were found, uh, they've probably had enough access to light and, and things like that um, to sort of help mitigate some, some concerns, if there are any. I'd like to give the numbers out again. I'd like to hear from people while we still have some time left in this segment about how they're responding to this and and why they think that is beyond the obvious. These are small children in a terrible situation. The numbers to call 416-360-0740, toll free one 866-740-4740. And Dr. Claridge, why do you think that there is such a huge response to people for something like this when in many cases where you have children trapped in war, trapped in famine, and and there are actually a lot more people at risk, but it doesn't get that same emotional response? Well, that's a good one. I um, Ordinarily, I'd say because as parents and adults, they identify, with the, well, I mean, if they have children, obviously, uh, they would want um, like a good scenario to to take place. It's um, I mean, it's an interesting phenomenon, but I think people usually do pay attention to that because they want uh, they want a good story to come out at the end of this. They want the, uh, they want the people to be rescued. Then they look at their own children and say, "What if it was my child? What would I be like? What would I feel like? What are the parents going through?" So they identify with the parents. And um, why is this special? I don't know if it's that much more special than others. Uh, maybe maybe it's because of the unusual circumstances that are taking place, um, that uh, that these kids are trapped so far in these caves. Uh, the original understanding was that they might not be able to get them out. And so I think people, I mean, for that very reason, are now sort of glued uh, uh, to this whole issue and are hoping and I'm sure um, uh, wishing everyone the best of luck and, uh, and good fortune so that this, uh, so it does turn out to be a very good scenario. Uh, Christian, you know, it almost seemed like a miracle that they were found at all by those British divers. Uh, yes and no. I think I think uh, the amount of time that's elapsed is certainly uh, on the longer stretch of uh, you know. If we look at historical sort of cave rescues, but you know, one of the things that we consider is anytime somebody's like say a diver is overdue, uh, or if somebody's trapped like you know, sort of missing due to flooding, that we never give up hope. You always try, you try to send a team because there might be an air pocket or might be something like that that they've taken refuge in. And in this case, that's exactly what happened. It's, you know, what's happened in the past. Uh, sometimes it's, it, people haven't been so lucky, but in this case it was. And it's just, you know, it's just a, a great outcome to have found them. But then, of course, the additional challenge was how to get them back out, given that the water was still such an obstacle. I think people are pretty optimistic and confident now. Is there a chance of being overconfident? You know, when the rescue resumes uh, tomorrow, their time, you know, uh, you know I, I don't know. Is it going to go as smoothly? Would you expect it to? Uh, 
I would hope so that they've taken any learnings from the last uh, rescues and incorporated them to make it better and safer. However, you can't mitigate against all of the risks involved in this, and uh, it's not over until it's over. So there's certainly still a, a risk involved in this, even though they've been successful so far. So uh, fingers are crossed that it'll be successful for the entire team. Okay, let's uh, hear from Keith in Stouffville. Hello, Keith. Hi, Libby. Um, I would just like to comment, you know, let's hope they all get out of there alive, you know, in in the next operation, everything goes out well. But talking about the kids and, and, you know, this is going to make them better men. What a story to tell their grandkids or their kids when they grow up or whatever, you know. And, uh, you know, I just think it's going to make them better human beings, for uh, sure. You know, that's that's an interesting point, and I think I want to touch on that and maybe uh, finish up with that side of things. Uh, Keith, thank you very much for that. Thank you, Libby. Bye-bye. So, Dr. Claridge, yes. uh, What are the chances that they might take all the positive from this? I mean, you go through something like this, and it emphasizes basically how strong and resilient you are. Is there a chance that that's what the boys take away from this? See, that may be the most important feature of all this. Not only the mechanics of getting the people out, but what the mood, what the spirit, what the mind will be all about once they're out of there. Um, see, we, can, we experience all kinds of disasters in life. We experience all kinds of traumas in life. We go through accidents, we go through bad times, through tough times. The question is, what do we do with that in our heads? And we can come out of this saying, my God, we went through a tough time, and we came out of it. Um, it was hard, it was difficult, but it, I mean, it really means that I can handle the tough times quite well. And that really, is, I mean, I mean, that really indicates a sense of resilience. That people who, who can really work their heads through what they've been through and realize that although it was tough and although it was significant, they came out the other side, not, not seriously tarnished, would strongly suggest that my God, maybe, um, I mean, if other traumas are thrown at me or I experience other difficulties, then maybe I can handle that as well, and I can feel good about that, and I can feel positive about that, and I can share it with others. I think that's crucial. When, whenever we go through a trauma, it's how we process it and the sense we make out of it such that we come out the other side feeling good about how we've handled it. Okay, let's hear from Louise in Etobicoke. Hello, Louise. Oh, hi. And, uh, good morning to you. Good afternoon. Um, I, I just wanted to say, I know that um, you sort of wondered why there is focus on this particular group as there are uh, tragedies around the world. And I just wanted to say that I think that the world tends to, and human beings tend to always um, want to come to the aid whenever there's children. And what came to mind was the picture of the child boy that washed ashore. Yeah, I was thinking of that too, Alan Curdy, yeah. Yes, exactly. And then the world began to respond to the refugees, and uh, that began, I believe, the process of taking in tens of thousands. So um, that's... And then the Mexican, you know, the deportation that is, or p- potential deportation that's taking place in, in the U.S. with Trump. And so, and then we learned uh, once the focus 
became on the children who were sort of isolated from their parents and put in some sort of detention uh, center themselves, then the focus went off the immigration uh, and the deportation focus of Trump, and it became now the focus of um, well, how can we reunite these, uh, you know, the, the children with their families? So the focus came off uh, the fact that they are illegal um, uh, refugees. And, okay, and okay, the, Louise, the, thanks very much for that. Yeah, that's my point. So I thank you. And I wondered, Libby, if you can share with, with us where the group, I don't think I have heard, where the group of children are actually from and why they're, the they're from- coach would have taken them, uh, you know, into a cave that is so far in. If you have time, if you can share that part of the story, it would be amazing. Okay, thanks, Louise. Uh, My understanding is that it was part of some kind of initiation, and there were actually warnings on the cave not to go there close to the monsoon. All of that, I guess, will be clarified Afterwards, the coach has been very apologetic, and a lot of the parents are crediting the coach with keeping their kids alive. But, but you know, fundamentally, I think a lot of people are asking there, what the heck were they doing there? Uh, Christian, what should we really be looking out for tomorrow? Well, uh Personally, I'm going to be uh, watching very closely with fingers crossed and hoping for a successful operation for everybody. Um, This is definitely unprecedented uh, to have such a youthful group uh, found like this and uh, to to have the the obstacles uh, that they'll have to overcome to get out. Um, You know, the whole thing is simply amazing and I really hope for the best of of success for, for everybody involved. And Dr. Sam Claridge, what should we be looking out for with these kids, assuming they're all rescued after that? Uh, what, I, what I hope will happen is that a lot of support, help, um, encouragement, teamwork will be available to them all once they're out, because it'll be important to address any psychological and emotional concerns that may be, that may be as a result of what they've been through. And if the support is there, if the, um, if the help is there, uh, hopefully it'll, it'll, uh, it'll reduce any potential fallout. Okay. Thank you so much to you both. Appreciate it very much. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.